Here on today's broadcast of Truth For Today, we continue our contrast and we're focusing on what it means to build together with God. Ministry versus ministry, next. Join us. This is Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, returns us to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll begin in verse 10 today as we take a look at the contrast Paul lays out between his ministry, juxtaposed that of others, and how the labor for the Lord should be something that honors him in all we do. Building together with God. Here now is Pastor Phil Howard with this edition of Truth For Today. We want to consider, first of all, we are builders together with God in a building program that's been going on now for 2,000 years. Christ said in Matthew 16, future tense, I will build my church. Israel is not the church. Israel already existed when he said that. I'm going to build a church in the future on the basis of my death on the cross, and Jew and Gentile will comprise it But it will be a church that I will build, and not even death shall succeed against it. And so, Paul is talking of this church, and he lays emphasis on several things. Number one, what is the foundation of this church, which he calls a building? What is the foundation? Two, he discusses the builders, and he discusses it this way. That someday there's going to be a quality inspection of how you built the building. Uh, the county inspector is going to come around and see if you built according to code or if you broke all the rules to throw up a shack. And he's going to test you to see what kind of materials you built with. And he's going to test it with fire. Are you building with fireproof material? Two... He's going to test the quality of your workmanship. Uh, Did you just throw it together? It doesn't matter. Just do it. Just get it up. He's going to test the quality of your work. Uh, Thirdly, he's going to tell us what we're really building. We're building a temple of living stones that some are seeking to destroy. And so he warns about that. And then he concludes, and we make an application of three points, basically. Uh, Number one, we ought to be humbled that we can know the wisdom of God. Two, we should cease being about men and become focused and consumed with Christ. And thirdly, instead of a parceled out kind of relationship... Just know that every good thing God has, whether it's Cephas, Paul, or any other great Bible teacher, or any other great worker, you get to claim them all as yours, as long as they're in Christ and you're in Christ. I don't have to pick this label. I don't have to be a Presbyterian. I don't have to be a Pentecostal. I don't have to be a Baptist. Everything good in all those groups is mine in Christ. If they know Christ, they're mine. You don't claim them, but God does. And there's a lot of folks that got a, the baby talk, uh, Lewis Chafer used to say, the baby talk of the church is sectarianism. What label 
do you wear? You know what? Who cares what label you put on an empty can? The thing that counts, do you have anything in your heart? Do you really know him? It's not labels that get you there. It's knowing Christ. Well, let's begin the foundation here. Paul says, uh, I laid the foundation. I planted the church there under Christ as an expert builder. And I know others have built on it. Apollo stayed with you, uh, the next pastor. It's really twofold focus. I think the number one focus by interpretation is probably the leaders and pastors and teachers of this church would be its primary interpretation. I laid a foundation, a master builder, not just the people. I think he's really pointing out to Christian leaders that take over churches. I think that's primary. Secondary, we can talk about every believer in the body of Christ is working on this foundation. What is your contribution? But it really shouts to us guys that are pastors and teachers. Is the quality of your work in keeping with the quality of the foundation? Um, I don't know of anybody that buys a house because they're impressed with the beauty of the foundation. How many of you women have even seen the foundation of your house? Have you ever gone underneath the house just because you wanted to be sure it was on a good foundation? No, 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 no. You, you want to see if the master bedroom's big. You, you want to see if the kitchen is just right. You know, the big thing now is got to have beautiful bathrooms. You got to have a, an exquisite kitchen. Did, ma'am, did you know that termites are in your foundation? Oh, take care of it. I don't care about the foundation. I want to see what's in the kitchen. It took a month to just lay the foundation in my house. I had so much cement because I had retaining walls. And I, I went on a trip and I came back. And after a month, I said, come on, when are you going to get to wood? He said, well, we had to pour 125 yards for your foundation. Because we put huge retaining walls and, and all this stuff. I said, well, come on, I want to see something get done. And the guy said, buddy, everything from here on rests on what we've done. If you're not right here, the rest, I don't care how beautiful it is, is shabby. And Paul said, God's church is built on the foundation that he laid. And he's been explaining for three chapters what it is. I built the church on Christ crucified. I built it up on Christ, not Greek philosophy, not on worldly wisdom, not on what the world's uh, stuff. I built it on this gospel. Christ alone is what the church is built on. It's not built on Mary Baker Eddy, and it's not built on the name of the leader of your denomination. If it's not built on Christ, no matter what else, whatever labels you've got, it will fade when the storm comes. Because you're either building on sand or you're building on a solid rock. And the storm will reveal what your foundation's made of. And he said, we laid one foundation... Christ. Now, this whole theme, you take 1 Peter 2. He said, Christ is the chief cornerstone. And he added you and I as living stones in this building. He uses this same picture of the temple of God in 2 Corinthians 6. You are the temple of God. So, he's laid a foundation 
to build this. I ask you uh, the old song, uh, what is your hope built on? Mine is built on Jesus Christ and nothing less than his blood and righteousness. Uh, You'd be amazed uh, that the religious nature of man, you don't have to have Christ for people to want to come to something called church. Probably the majority of church going on today is not built on Christ crucified, risen, and ascended. You can have, you know, you can get a nonprofit status very easy. Just be religious of some sort. And I hope you're not naive as to think that everybody's preaching Christ. Paul says to them, no matter what else you builders are doing, know that I laid a foundation when I came from Athens to Corinth in Acts 18, and I like, preached the gospel. I preached the effect of the cross, what he purchased, uh, that the church is a divine group of people that have put faith in Christ. This is our foundation. We might differ over baptism. We might differ over eschatology. We might differ over this and a lot of other issues. But what is the foundation we must agree upon? Christ Jesus crucified, buried, risen, the only atonement, the only bridge from this life to heaven. It must be Christ. He goes on to say, uh, everybody is there, gets their chance to build on this foundation. And he says in verse 12, talking about the builders, uh, if any man builds on this foundation... And notice, first thing goes after, what he uses to build with. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones. Now, we, we don't build homes out of this. He's using an analogy and a comparison. And he, he goes from greatest value right down. And what you must really see, he takes in this life, gold, silver, precious stones, are are the most imperishable things we have. Oh, we know how to put enough heat today to melt these things, but think in the ancient world, gold was lasting. You can melt it down, you can pour it into different things, but but the substance would still be there. So he says, some of you are building, and you've got different material. Some are using gold, silver, precious stones, Others are using wood, hay, and stubble. Now, this is the most visible stuff, gold you dig out of the earth. It's not laying on the surface. Uh, Let me give you a comparison. Gold is permanent. The wood, hay, and stubble is passing, temporary. The wind can blow it away. Uh, Gold and silver stones happen to represent beauty, uh, intricacy. Uh, wood, hay, and stubble is just ordinary. Even could be uh, ugly. One is valuable. The other is invaluable. One is hard to obtain. Precious stones, gold, and silver. The other is easy to obtain. Well, what is he talking about? What are the building materials? What would qualify? 
Well, there's several views. Some say, well, it's your works. Okay, what kind of works? What was the foundation made of? Paul said, I laid it. What was it? It was correct teaching about who Christ was. And I think the majority of uh, expositors see that the building on top of it is the quality of teaching handed on to the people on top of this foundation. What have you been taught since you put faith in Christ? That's number one. Otherwise, when we say works, uh, your works either have the quality of uh, gold or wood, hay, and stubble. Um, that, that's true, but what kind of works is he talking about? He's talking about teachers and preachers that build on this foundation. What kind of uh, substance? What was the... Uh, I know a lot of men that are good talkers who have nothing to say. And say a whole lot in church. I'm amazed at how much I've heard in church that was nothing but wood, hay, and stubble. There's little substance. The music might have been good. The emotion may have been high. But by the time it came to the teaching and the expounding of the word, it was wood, hay. Everything was showy. Everything might have even been big. But there was nothing there that seemed priceless. Something that was dug out from the Word of God. How many churches are being built on the solid teaching of the Word of God on top of the foundation Christ Himself? Now, what other works would you be talking about? Good works of whatever quality. But I think in keeping with the foundation that was laid by an architect named Paul, that he laid the sound truths. He said, now, however you build, you better build on these foundational truths and build something. It matters what is said. It matters what is taught. It matters how people are instructed and how they are led. Because God's going to measure the kind of material you build with. Some ministries... uh, represent wood, hay, and stubble. You know what? There's no work, Harley, in what their ministry represents. There's no perspiration. There's no digging out truths. Uh, This is a common one. Well, uh, you take it that way. I'll take this. It really doesn't matter. I just love Jesus. Well, why don't you find out what it means? Don't you think God knows how to speak without stuttering? Don't you think truth matters? And here, what was the competitors? Some of you are taking them back to Athens. You're raising the church on Athenian wisdom. Why does he keep taking it on? It was a serious threat. You're caught up with orators. Paul said, you you say, I'm not a good speaker. You call me an ugly little Jew in 2 Corinthians 10. You make fun of me. I wasn't impressive enough. Well, let me say at the end of the day, God's going to measure what both groups teach. And some's going to burn up and some's going to last. What are you passing on? How are you building? And it's true of your own individual life. Someday God's going to test everything you've done since you became a Christian to evaluate what you did with your time since you've been a believer and put your faith in Christ. What in that has any quality that will last? I confess something. The other night, Friday night, uh, 
we watch. I, I don't watch TV very much. I just, I'm just bored with it. So I read. But it's a lonely life because Carolyn stays in the front room with her brother. But and I'm over here dying in loneliness. And but I, I, I go to our room and read. But I thought, I'll watch a movie uh, with my wife on Friday night at the house, you know. A little diversion. But I picked a uh, 1920s gang war. I've always been intrigued by mafia. I, it was one of my ambitions, you know. Uh, and I've always kind of liked that. So, so I watched this. She goes to the other room because she's a Hallmark fan. I'm over here, and when I finally clicked it off, I thought, what a waste. Ah, uh, I saw Luigi kill at least ten guys. They had it coming. They double-crossed, cut in on the games, and were cheating on the horses. And I just watched this, I thought, isn't this wonderful? I'm getting ready for the pulpit. I've seen ten guys killed. Luigi's throat slit. Uh, uh, the gal sleeps with anybody. Lord, I love you. You're everything. You are. And then the psalm came to me. I will set no evil thing before me. I thought, what a waste of my time. I think I'm still going to heaven. I was just begrudged by the waste. Is that all? Did, did, what did you get out of it? Well... You better be packing. <laughs> you know, there was not one virtue. There wasn't one vibe. And, and it exposed the dummy I am. There wasn't a virtue going on in me to see it. How could that feed my soul or even entertain me? What did you see last night? Fifteen people killed? Man, it was good. I see guys all that going, man, you ought to go. They killed 50 people within an hour. Oh, are you a pacifist or a criminal? Well, I'm just picking on me. But he's going to measure. This is scary for guys like me especially. And then you. I've been pastoring for some time. And if I understand these words, Christ is going to measure the way I have taught this church. And my entire ministry is going to be evaluated by fire. And he says everything in it that he sees as wood, hay, and stubble, worthless, of no value, flammable, will go up. And some of us will do good not to be consumed ourselves. He said some will be saved even though everything they invested their life in goes up in flames. Don't you see that with people who pour their whole life in some vocational track? Maybe to be a, a musician, playing an orchestra, demands great discipline and hours. And said, so my whole life was poured into one thing, or science. God wasn't there. God's going to test. But this is talking to believers. What are you pouring your life into? What are you pouring your life? And he's going to evaluate it. Then he says, let me warn you, um, there are people that may seek to destroy you. And he comes to verse 16 and 17, and he says, don't you guys know that you're the temple of God? 
That's a very important phrase. Christ got crucified for that very statement. He said in John 2, I will destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it again. And the Jews thought he meant Herod's temple. And for this, they eventually got him nailed in court. He said, this man is blasphemous. He said he'd destroy the temple and build it. But John says, this spake he of his body. Now, ever since the Enlightenment, nobody talks about temple. That is pagan religion. But for probably centuries, both pagan and Jews thought of temple as a place where God and man could meet, where heaven meets the earth. And so the pagan world had temples everywhere. Everywhere they were building temples. They still do in the east. I mean, pagodas everywhere. Temples here, temple there. A sophisticated western, we don't think it. It's archaic language and concept. But no, not, not in this world. Not, not to the pagan Jews, not to the pagan Greeks, rather, nor the Jews who would think of Solomon's temple and, and the Shekinah that left. And what a great heartbreak to the nation to be dispersed and, and the temple to be ransacked. But all these Gentiles grew up with temple. And why was temple a big stuff? It was this. Man in his worst state keeps thinking there's got to be something behind what's going on. Uh, There's got to be more than uh, sex, food, work, children, sleep. Surely there's something out there. Even a good atheist betrays himself all the time because uh, he may have a moral qualm about something. There's a lawgiver out there. Natural law. Just what... What's out there? What's out there? And this idea of temple was we build a place where when we come as the worshipers, we're hoping that whoever's beyond the realities that we've seen, the wood, the stuff, the light, if there be a God out there and they all believe. See, the ancient world was not atheistic. They were polytheistic. Many gods. The gods were in everything. They weren't atheist. They were polytheist. Many gods. Very religious. And so they came to temple. They'd bring their sacrifices. They'd offer their children in some religions. They would do whatever to get in touch with the God that was transcendent above it all, where can we mediate? Let's get a priest down here that can build me a bridge from me to the gods that are out there. You did it at temple. Now what Christ said in John 2, I am heaven come down to earth. I am the bridge for you to get from earth to God. I am that bridge. I am the dwelling place of God. But now watch. The temple is crucified. And now of all things, he says, the head is gone to heaven, Christ. And now he's building a people for himself. And he's now saying, you as people who have put your faith in me constitute a holy temple, which means local churches are intended by God to be places where heaven 
touches earth. Truth for today, that we might live in truth tomorrow. Thank you for joining us. Our teacher and pastor has been Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. And on today's broadcast of Truth for Today, we've spent time here in God's Word that we might grow in His grace. If you'd like to review today's message, copies are available on CD for just $5. Mention today's date when you call 510-799-3171. 510-799-3171. You're welcome to visit our website. We have resource materials there at our online store, as well as information about us, who we are, what we believe, worship opportunities, and events here at the church valleybible.org is the website. Again, valleybible.org. And would you drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit. That would mean a great deal to us. Also, it encourages us when you call or write to us and let us know how the program encourages you in your walk and relationship with Christ. Please don't take for granted for a moment the significance of correspondence with us. It really does matter, and it really does make a difference when you contact us and let us know how the program encourages you. Questions, comments, prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. Our desire is for you to grow in Christ, that we might be mutually encouraged in his grace. So again, the phone number is 510-799-3171. That's 510-799-3171. And the web address is valleybible.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We're just off Highway 4, the church with the three crosses on the hill, about a quarter of a mile from the Highway 4 I-80 junction. You can't miss us. Directions can be had when you call us, again, 510-799-3171, or by visiting our website, valleybible.org. We thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless. God bless.